The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bike. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast. This is episode 71, and I'm honored to have, uh, once again, back by popular demand, joining us here on the Forward Bike Podcast, Ozzy Altman, and uh, also the son of uh, the late Rick Eshelman, who was the longtime World of Outlaws announcer. Derek Eshelman is going to be joining us here, too, to uh, tell some stories about his dad. And Ozzy and uh, Rick both worked close to, closely together on the microphone many a nights at racetracks and uh I don't know what's going to be said here tonight, but I'm looking forward to hearing what these guys have got to say. This is going to be a good one to tune into. So strap your belts tight and buckle up, and it's going to be a, going to be a fun one. So first of all, welcome to the podcast, Ozzy. Thank you for having me, Kyle. It's an honor. Yeah, and welcome to you also, Derek. Happy to be here. Happy to, happy to be a part of this podcast and uh, hear some good stories about racing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Ozzy, I'll just start with you. Um, you know, last time we had you on here, like I said, it's backed by popular demand. A lot of people loved the loved that episode and loved what you had to say. But uh, there at the end, I sort of left you with a with a thought, and I asked you if uh, you were ready to go in the Hall of Fame there at Florence Speedway in, in Union, Kentucky, and you said you were ready for it. Well, not long after that, I haven't got to talk to you yet and congratulate you, but congratulations, you are going to be uh, enshrined in the hall of fame there in august how does that how does that feel well man it feels wonderful it really lifted my spirits a bunch uh, made me happy and i'm looking forward to being there and going into that hall of fame to join a bunch of my good buddies guys like larry moore and many others yeah but before we can before we continue and get going here on your episode of uh forward bite Derek I've not been able to speak to you voice to voice I did send you a message but I just wanted to express my deepest condolences to you and loss of your father Rick and I knew each other for many a year and we had a lot of good times announcing races we could always find some humor and he always kept a smile on my face and kept me on my toes so I'm so sorry for the loss of Rick not only I'm sure he was a great father to you, but he was great for our sport. Well, I I, uh, I truly appreciate that, and I actually wanted to extend my congratulations to you. I'm not sure if you uh, were aware my dad was inducted last year into the Hall of Fame. So Yes, um, indeed. I, I was there with my wife, and uh, it was one of my best memories. So uh, congratulations to you on getting to join him in there. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, I, yeah. Congratulations to uh, to uh, to Rick as well. Like I got to. Uh, that's the last time I, I saw your dad. Derek was there at Florence, and I shook his hand and uh, and congratulated him. And I I just had no idea that would be the last time we we would uh, get to meet him. But you know, instead of uh, instead of this being a somber note, let's just let's just share some stories about some good times. So uh, so I guess uh, wherever you guys want to start, just kick it off here. I don't even have a question. I know you guys can carry this one. I, uh, I'll, I'll start off with a really light one. So, uh, enough time has passed that I, I think the statute of limitations are good. Um, I've only told this story to a couple of people. A lot of the world of outlaws guys know, know this story. Um, Ryan Gustin, 
especially. Uh, shout out to him on his big win the other night, by the way. But uh, he was a close friend of ours. My dad introduced me to him as I'm a bigger guy. And, and he was a bigger guy. And we just hit it off right away. So I told them this story. And, and I told them while dad was still alive. And uh, he made me promise to never tell this publicly. But I think enough times passed. So this was the early 90s. And, uh, my dad did asphalt a lot uh, besides of racing he was an arca official he did toledo he did flat rock he did asphalt everywhere as well and uh i was young at the time but i remember my dad being violently hung over one day and uh come to find out that it was after the uh toledo banquet well my dad apparently got into the open bar just a little too much and i guess he was standing in the back and started to feel woozy all the lights are down someone's giving a speech Looks left, looks right, salad bowl. Throws up in the salad bowl <laughs> at the banquet. I've, so, I've, I've heard rumors of the salad bowl story, but that's the first time I've heard it told. Well, the part he didn't want me to tell is that he just mixed it up and walked away. <laughs> that's Rick. That's, that's classic Rick right there. <laughs> oh, so, my. Yeah. Call, uh, it, call it Thousand Island, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> It's a new kind of ranch. <laughs> uh, yeah, instead of instead of Newman's own, we can have uh, Eshelman's own salad dressing, but it's, it's really just uh, Jack, Jack and Coke's coming back up from the bar. A little bit of flavor. Man, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> had, had, a little, had a little bit of bite to it. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you what. I, I'll say this before we get too much further. I, 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 Ozzy, I mean, I would say – if you want to talk about a uh, like a Mount Rushmore of, of like dirt late model announcers that's that's been, I think you're one of them, and I, I for sure think Rick's one of them. So this is pretty cool to get to have uh, have you, Ozzy, on here, and, and then of course Rick's son Derek. So this is uh, this is going to be a cool conversation for sure. So uh, Ozzy, what's one of your earliest memories, I guess, with with Rick? Well, I don't know if I can tell it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, just tell what you just tell what you can remember about it. Well, I forget where we were at, but at some place, a big brouhaha happened out on the racetrack, and it continued up into the tower, and we had to block the door. And uh, Rick was standing there holding the door shut, not not letting anybody in the tower. I remember you told a story like that on the last podcast. Was that the Jackie Boggs situation somewhere in Kentucky? No, no, no. That no, that night. one was way worse. So there's been numerous times where the Katie bar the door situation has come about. That, there was literally a Katie bar on the door at Oliveville, Kentucky, Carter County Speedway, and I was glad for that. But Rick wasn't there that night, unfortunately, and they got into the tower. But no one was harmed. I escaped injury. <laughs> so what? So what went down there? Up at Grayson, Kentucky. Well, no, you've told that story. You told that on the last podcast we had you with. Yeah. If anybody wants to hear that, they can go listen back to that one because that was a good story too. But I want some stuff we hadn't heard yet. <laughs> I'll, one of my, one of my, I'll tell one of my most embarrassing moments as an announcer. It happened at the World Finals several years back. And uh, we were doing the 50-50 to raise money for Speedway Children's Charities. And the winner's pot was 
$15,000. Now, I know they've had bigger 50-50 pots at Eldora in the past, but this was $15,000 to the winner at Charlotte Motor Speedway at the dirt track. Well, the poor little assistants and the interns, they all got a little scatterbrained, and they kept running up to me. I was in the midst of doing interviews with different heat race winners and what, and they said, let's do 50-50, let's do 50-50. I said, okay, whenever you're ready. And they handed me a handed me a ticket, and I didn't really pay attention to the numbers before I started reading them off, but I read all the numbers off that was on the ticket, and Nobody stood up hollering like they had won $15,000. And so I had to repeat the numbers three or four times before it finally dawned on me what had happened. Every single digit on the winning ticket was either a zero, a six, or a nine. <laughs> And when they handed me the ticket, I just read it the way they handed it to me. And I was actually, the winner's ticket was actually in reverse order. <laughs> so it took us about 15 or 20 minutes to sort that out. But the gentleman that won the money was from South Florida, and he finally stood up and claimed his $15,000, and it was presented to him. So we got through, made it through that. That all worked out good then in the end, didn't it? Yeah, nobody's feelings were hurt, and I didn't cuss too bad. <laughs> well, I, you, well, Ozzy, you, uh, let's just jump right into it here. Whenever you messaged me yesterday, you said you had a lot of uh, a lot of stuff you wanted to talk about, some hot topics and some things you wanted to mention about some promoters and events and uh, using announcers and whatnot. So let's just jump right into that. Well, just. Uh... Word to the warning for any promoters or future announcers. A promoter should never, if a problem breaks out of the racetrack, they should never start hollering at their announcer. Get me security at the main gate or get me security at the pit gate or get me security at the concession stand unless he really wants a riot because as soon as you start calling over the public address system for security to report to someplace. Everybody knows something's going on, and then you're fixing a call for a riot. So that's why you have radios to use to call your security officers to the area that you need them. Instead of calling the whole crowd to come join in on a full-on riot. <laughs> Yeah, tearing the windows out of places. That, that ain't good. That ain't what you want. No. If you need security, call them on the radio. You know, Ozzy, I have a, uh, I have a topic that I want to jump in and uh, and kind of bring to you guys and see what you think about this. I, I had spoke to my dad about this a couple of times, and uh, it, it pertains to kind of what you said, just in a different manner. What I've been, what I'm having a hard time understanding is. Uh, I guess the lack of planning or the lack of awareness by racetracks in the sense that the world's changing. Um, there's nothing that, you know, we can do about it, but the weather is, is, is a big deal. And this, we don't have the same weather now that we had in 1985. We don't have the same weather now that we had 10 years ago in March, April, May. 
have the tracks not figured out yet, maybe just stop scheduling in March and April in the Midwest and maybe just run your series or run your track later into October, November, because I was still golfing in November last year, but you get rain every single weekend. It just seems like there's a lot going on where tracks are planning races and guys are planning to go and on their way to go to places and fans get all ready. And then every post I see on Facebook rained out, rained out, rained out, canceled, rained out. Will they ever figure out that, okay, maybe racing now starts in April and May instead of March, because you're just not going to get a race in anymore. <laughs> well, that's a very good point. You bring out. And, uh, I reached back, and I think it was about 1997 or so, where the late, great Mike Swims, he and his father and mother, they, oh, bless her, she passed recently, too, Martha Swims of Dixie and Rome Speedway. But Mike and Mickey, in about 1997, they said, we're not going to open our regular season at Dixie until, like, June because we're just getting weathered out, rained out in March and April. There's no sense in even spending money on advertising and getting things ready until we can race. So they did that back in 1997 and pushed their seasons back. And I think it's a wise idea for a lot of promoters and track owners to consider that. Yeah, and it seems like it's always on some kind of a cycle too, you know, right? Like every every two or three years we get a really wet spring and it seems like it's on a seven day cycle or something. I don't know. It's just a myth of mine that like on Fridays and Saturdays, it'll always rain every week, but in the middle of the week, it's beautiful all over the country or, you know, where we're so right now it seems like a lot of these midweek races are working out pretty good. And then the weekend races are getting rained out or having, or getting hampered by weather. Like for example, I was at volunteer speedway this weekend for that big, that big time XR super series race. And on Friday night, it got rained out and, and, uh, the weather looked luckily looked good for Saturday and we got the show in and congratulations to Dale McDowell on winning that thing. But yeah, I don't know. Weather's just, uh, just always going to be a problem, I guess, no matter what you do. Well, yeah, you just have pay, pay attention to the forecast, but I think that that's a wise move to maybe uh, particularly in the Southeast, to push your season back a little bit. It's not going to kill anything. I mean, you know, eventually school's going to be out and summertime's going to be around and there's no, you, you've got a far less chance of more and more rain in September and October than you do in March and April. You know, you got your spring showers. Yeah, for sure. And I want to, I'll, I want to tip my cap to two of my brothers, the two McDowell brothers, Shane and Dale, for their big win in the spring fall up at Bulls Gap. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was so glad and tickled to see Dale rebound from health issues and win, and now he's won another big one. So congratulations to Shane and Dale on a job well done. And he's only fifty-six years young. There's no telling how many more of these he can. He can rack up throughout the rest of his career. I'm excited to see that for him and for that team too. So, hey, we'll yeah, take. Don't uh, let the, go ahead. Don't let the gray hair. Don't let the gray hair fool you on McDowell. No doubt. Hey, we'll take a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast. You're listening to the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. We'll be right back. 
Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast uh, here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Ozzy, you were mentioning there during the break here that you've got some uh, interesting, some more interesting thoughts on uh, on announcing techniques, if you just want to go with that. Yeah, just another topic of one thing that I feel like that event promoters should not ask their announcers to do. The announcer should be there to s- describe the action and to sell it, sell it, sell it, sell the action. Sell the hot dogs and Coca-Colas, T-shirts, and sell the excitement, thereby selling tickets to future events. Now, along 1996 or so, when radios were very popular, and I'm talking about radio headsets that fans started wearing in the grandstands and monitoring officials and the racers, you would have event promoters they would come up to me and say, call the late models to the staging lanes. And over and over and over, it was call the late models to the staging lanes. When simply put, those promoters should have invested a few dollars in paying some competent pit stewards to run the show in the pits and line those cars up and have them ready. Because the backlash effect, especially in the time period that I'm referencing, I would hear constant remarks from the fans. Well, those late model drivers, they just a bunch of prima donnas. They have to beg them to get in the line. <laughs> yeah. And so that would all been, would never happen that way if they would have had pit stewards down there lining them up. And thank goodness we've got uh, good, solid professional promoters that do pay some pit stores to do that job because it keeps the show moving along instead of dragging out. And then nobody gets the appearance that anybody is a prima donna. They're in line when they're supposed to be at times. And I remember my good buddy, David Ift. He used to be a former NASCAR cup crew chief for Kelly Arbor, Buddy Baker and others. And it, after his NASCAR career, at one point, he promoted Carolina Speedway in Gastonia. And he had a tower in the pits with different color light bulbs. And when a certain color was shown on the lit up on that tower, that was that particular division's wanting to line up in the staging lanes, whether it was the six cylinders or the hobby stocks or whatever. When your color came up, you needed to be in the staging lanes. So it's just a little bit of forward thinking and um, smart strategies to keep your show moving along and not have any unnecessary delays. And again, you don't have your announcers call for security and you don't have them line up the, the cars in the pits or the staging lanes. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. I remember what, exactly what you're talking about there with your example at, 
Carolina Speedway with David F having those different light bulbs and stuff. That that's still the method that they use today, and he and they, I'm sure they probably use it at other tracks, but it's aggravating really to go somewhere as a fan and have to hear the announcer and you know calling cars to the staging lanes. That's just it's a little bit unprofessional, but uh, but most places do do it right and and use radios and walkie talkies and whatnot and uh, and get it done. But yeah, that's a good point, Ozzy, for sure. And if, if a promoter was paying me to do a job of announcing, I never refused to do that, but I came damn close to it several times. It's like, what are you thinking? And another time, I can look back and think about any time we were going to have a big race at a certain track, there would always a couple people come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I'll be a spotter for y'all. And there were a couple of observation towers in a turns one and two and three and four where somebody could stand and if nothing else could render assistance because of their line of sight, render assistance to the record drivers on how to clear a wreck in a, an efficient and timely manner or to help the officials sort out what actually happened in the wreck. And I remember a time or two that the uh, race director would call on the radio. And again, I'm talking about now fans are listening into officials talking, but the uh, race director would call in on the radio to his spotter in turn one and said, Hey, what happened? He says, I didn't see it. <laughs> and I told that cat, I went down there and I said, go turn your radio in put it back on the charger and don't go to the pay window because you ain't getting paid tonight. Don't bother coming back to the spotter next week. If you're, if you're being let in the races free to be the spotter and to tell what happened in the event, then I damn sure better not hear you saying over the radio that you didn't see it and let the fans know, well, those officials don't even do their job. That guy didn't even see nothing. And that's his job tonight. So it's just a mixture of common sense and, good use of people and trying to use some smarts and keeping the shows going. Yeah. Because how many, how many, I mean, Derek, your dad and I used to have a common saying, and that was at midnight, our chariot turns into a pumpkin because we're not going to be here announcing races at two and three o'clock in the morning. Now we, we had done that in the past, but we both, retired from that part of it <laughs> yeah I, i'm not sure i uh i'm not sure i saw my dad awake after 11 o'clock very often anymore <laughs> there's no sense in expecting your fans to sit there to all hours of the morning when a job is not being done efficiently to run a show oh 100 percent. that's sure not that's sure not going to make anybody want to come back next week Hundred percent efficiency is key, and and time management is is a big time topic. And I think some of these places are getting better with it. I know at Bulls Gap the other night, I think we got done with everything at ten forty five, and that was a very efficient show. Only two divisions, and uh, it went it went by quick. And that's that's what I want when I go to a place. I don't want to be there all night. I've done that a couple times before, but I don't I don't enjoy it. You know, you want to get home, people. Everybody's got a long drive to get home after these things are over, and they don't want to be held hostage there till two or three in the morning. Exactly. 
so to jump in on uh, on something you guys are talking about, I had said during our break that uh, I had some topics as, as just from an outsider looking in, from someone that went to school for sports management that that loves all sports and and you know has a has, I have a special place in my heart for dirt racing, not just late models. I mean, late models are always going to be my favorite. They were my dad's favorite, but. Dirt racing in general, sprints all the way down to, as my dad would call them, the little bang bangs, the little four bangers, uh, cars like that and such. And, you know, what I'm noticing with racing seems to be mirroring what baseball went through in the 90s and is kind of going through again right now where it's, it got stale and it didn't grow a new fan base and a lot of the a lot of the fans were you know they'd been there for 20 30 years and they needed to find new ways to appeal to new crowds not to grow the game or or anything like that everybody on earth knew what baseball was and hell everybody on earth knows what racing is but i feel like dirt racing in general is is kind of going through that phase where it's not dying but it's not how it used to be and i feel like there's an outreach issue with them being able to get more fans uh, younger fans and things of that nature. And, and I just, I think there is a few things that, you know, could be done. Time management is huge. Um, everybody now has the attention span of a gnat. So keeping somebody there for three, four hours. I mean, I, I went to world one hundreds with dad where there was 200 cars. I mean, watching them qualify till one in the morning on Friday night, that <laughs> just wasn't. Fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I would talk to dad all the time and, and give him ideas for the world of outlaws or for him. I told him, you know, you need to be on a podcast, podcasting. What you're doing with this is amazing. Podcasting is, is huge. It, it started to blow up years ago and it's still blowing up now. And, and I think there should be more or there should be, you know, this should, should get bigger. There's a couple of podcasts I listen to that really bring to light other sports. Um, and, you need a flagship podcast for your sport. I really truly believe that. Um, I believe that time management, again, like I said, is huge. I believe that, um, take a page out of, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. My dad would have loved these guys, the Savannah bananas baseball team. Oh yeah. Take, yeah, take some pages out of their book where they say, you know, we have to provide a show. Um, not just the sport, the racing is fun, but I mean, if your track that night isn't in great shape, and the racing ain't going to be that great. You need something else to to grow fans and keep people engaged. And yeah, it's all about entertainment. Well, I I don't feel like the quote unquote old guard of racing right now really seems to care about that or or is even doing much about it. It doesn't seem like much is changing, and I really feel like it should because I think they're missing out on a lot of markets and a lot of you know. There's so many ways to get this sport out. And all I heard growing up, you know, with dad and on the road and all his different radio shows he called into is, is growing sport, growing sport, growing sport. And now they just kind of seem like, uh, we're, we're going to do the same thing and, and they're going to pay us to come race and we're going to, we're going to make money. And, and that's going to be that. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's dollar beers, get the crowd a little rowdy one night or the 25 cent hot dogs. I really don't know what it is, but, it just seems like nobody's really trying to grow the sport anymore. And, and I'd like to see more of it. Yeah. You got a lot of people just leaning back on their heels and not using creativity. And the internet is a wonderful tool, but it's, it's not the end all be all. And 
any promoter that just relies strictly on putting up something about their event on the internet or a, or a website and not using the other available tools there are to get the word out about their events, they're missing the boat and they're missing a lot of dollars. And another thing that aggravates the fire out of me and always has, particularly with dirt late model racing, dirt racing period, people don't pay to go into the event and sit and watch hours of hot laps. Yeah, I mean, amen. get a schedule, get a schedule, get your track prepared, and let's go. You know, because a newbie fan has no idea what hot laps are to begin with unless the announcer explains it to them or somebody sitting next to them explains it to them. But they certainly don't want to just sit there and watch cars go around and around and around and practice for hours upon hours. That's not worth the price of a ticket. Yeah. I, I honestly, uh, I've, I've said this in the past, and I, and I kind of stand by it. I think it should be, um, I think it should be the way baseball is kind of done, um, where the batting practice isn't part of the show. Pitchers over in the bullpen warming up isn't really part of the show. Sure, you can get in early enough to go catch it if you'd like, but it's yeah. not in the at 7:05 when I turn on the Detroit Tigers game. I'm not watching them hitting balls out of the cages. I'm watching the baseball game. So they should have it to where. And I understand travel is is kind of a thing, but maybe have hot laps at two in the afternoon. Get your cars out there, feel out the track before you ever have a fan walk in. Now you got to feel the track out. The next thing you're doing is either going out for your heat race or qualifying or whatever it is, whatever their uh, their program is set up for. That way, you save a lot of the time you're talking about right there. We don't have to watch you practice. I, uh, I agree with that, but I think the problem is in dirt racing is uh, the uh, the track prep. You know, it's in the, that's right. of the day at two o'clock, so you kind of have to do hot laps at six or seven o'clock. But they need to move them up at least thirty minutes or something. Like Eldora always does a good job. I always talk a lot about Eldora on here because it's really the gold standard. But they do put on their um, on their schedules that hot laps are going to be at seven, six or seven o'clock or whatever it is, and then racing begins at you know eight or whatever. So that you know you're, you're you do know that. And I, and I wanted to jump in and say one more thing on all these topics before we move away from it. But you're talking about promotions and everything and. Uh, well, two things here. I went to a baseball game last week, the Charlotte Knights, and, uh, and and they put on a great show. It was a lot of fun. They kept the fans engaged all throughout, and it was just uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, the the home team lost. It kind of kind of was a little aggravating there, but you know, there's a lot of baseball games in the year, and you're going to lose some. So that's part of that. Um, and the other thing too, you're talking about um, promotions. Uh, so just for another example here i can just think of this weekend there at bulls gap and i know nobody reads the newspaper anymore but i'm staying in a hotel right there at at the racetrack you know you you guys are both familiar with it they've got the quality in right there down the hill from the speedway well in the lobby they've got a stack of, of today's newspapers so i picked one up and took it up to my room and i'm thumbing through it reading thinking Maybe there's an article on the on the big race. You know, this race that they had this weekend was the biggest race in the history of the state of Tennessee or the southeast and all in general. And there wasn't anything in that newspaper about it. The front page news in this paper was about some local artist was going to be playing a Johnny Cash set at some bar somewhere. 
and there wasn't one word mentioned about that big race at, at Bulls Gap this weekend. I just couldn't understand. What a shame! That. What a shame! Could not understand. And I know that. you 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 preface that by saying newspapers today. Some people say nobody reads them. Well, let me tell you something. Back in the days of the Have a Tampa series, when my job was to help promote that series. I sent press releases to every single mullet rapper that I could find in every little hole-in-the-wall city or county that there was because those hometown people read every column inch of their local paper every week. For sure. And their news starved. They don't get a lot of news, so they would print every word you sent them verbatim, entire press releases. And I can remember I'd get butt chewings from Mike Swims and his wife, Deborah, God bless her, because of the, because of sending out press releases that were over one page. And the fact of the matter then it was, uh, it was dollars and cents because we had to fax our press releases. We didn't have email back then. And one morning after getting my butt chewed so bad, I, I called Economaki directly and almost apologetically talked to him by saying, Hey, Chris, I'm sorry I'm sending these long press releases. And he went, Whoa, 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 Ozzy, Ozzy, listen to me. What is my job title here? I said, well, Chris, you're the owner and you're the editor-in-chief of National Speed Sport News. He says, we'll take care of the editing here. You just send all the content you can send us. <laughs> your, your job is to send us the content. My job is to edit it. And I never forgot that. And I echoed that back to the people that were chewing my behind. But I understood them because and I wasn't sending unnecessary news and but by the time you get to the free race stories, the point standings and everything it consumed pages and sending it to fax destinations all over the country, it got to be quite expensive. So I could understand why I was getting my butt chewed, but Economaki told me, no, you send me content. I do the editing. Yeah, for so sure. I thanked him for that. That's cool. So here. Here's a little history lesson for you boys. Uh, my dad not only did race car announcing, but he did ice hockey. He did my high school wrestling. He did figure skating shows. Um, he basically anywhere that needed a microphone that, that was any kind of a competition or sport, my dad did it. And he was always the same amount of electricity as he was at the racetrack. At, whether it was in a high school gym or, uh, you know, the local ice rink. And so um, it was always fun watching him do that. And I, I used to always joke with him, too, that part of the way to grow your guys' sport. And, yeah, I'm, I'm reaching here, but I, I really feel like maybe this would, would do something, you know. Um, a quote-unquote, we we'll call it halftime show, maybe. But integrate another sport, integrate something else from, from the community even into – your race track. So let's say you have a late model race, uh, you know, before the feature uh, or during track prep, do something outlandish, set up a boxing ring in the infield and, and 
have the announcer announce two local boxers going at it for a few rounds, or I totally get agree. Get a local band to uh, to play a set, you know, like a halftime show in the middle. Um, not only are you going to get their friends and family in there, they're going to post it on their social media. You're going to open some eyes that right. you know, would maybe never even see the sport, but also you're going to give the fans like something else to talk about other than I mean that was a really riveting interview by the same you know talking heads that we had to watch while they did track prep because it usually seems they'll air some interview or they'll go down on the track and talk to a couple drivers and it's always cookie cutter yes sir no sir we gotta race hard blah 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 I'd rather watch two local up-and-coming boxers throw haymakers for five minutes or local wrestling or whatever put it out there, you know, in the infield, put it somewhere viewable, give the, give the fans something else to look at a little more bang for their buck. And you know what? Most of these people do it for free because they want the exposure. They're not looking to get paid. So it, it won't even cost the track more money. I just, I honestly believe my dad was a huge WWE fan. And, uh, I always told him, um, I always believe that for when sports are their best, there's a villain, a well-known villain there's there's personalities and racing and i mean no disrespect when i say this but racing needs to get back a little more to its its redneck roots uh let it fly a little more be a little more of a party be a little more edgy and a little less buttoned up and corporate than it's gotten because that's when it was at its best so do some outlaw stuff and allow there to be personalities and villains i mean when when late model racing was at its best thank you scott bloomquist Everybody had, whether they booed him or cheered for him, they paid their tickets to see him. Uh, wrestling, you always, every time in, in wrestling history when it was the most popular, you had a villain somebody hated or somebody that they really, really, really just wanted to be taken down. Same with hockey, same with football. You know, you can look back at some of the all time bad guys. My dad was a big Raiders fan. So Lyle Alzado and, and Al Davis and those guys, there's no personalities like that in racing right now, really. Yeah, you That's got an excellent point. Car. You got a dirty race car driver here, there maybe, or a guy that, you know, might bend the rules a little bit. But not only did Scott Bloomquist do all that stuff, and I mean, you, everything that he did, the, the drug charges, the women, the, the booze, uh, the gambling, the cheating on the racetrack, and he won, but he was unapologetic about it and embraced it and made a personality of it. And it seems like some of these guys – Hey, if you're a dirty racer, cool, but embrace it. Be a, be a jerk all the time. You know, be a personality. Be something somebody pays their tickets to either see you get ran off the track or see you win. But I just feel like racing has gotten so buttoned up in corporate. Send it back to its 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 hillbilly redneck roots. Have make it more of a party. Make it more exciting. Give fans more bang for their buck, and I think you'll see the sport you know explode again. Derek, well, Ozzie, let's take a point, let's take Derek. a quick. Let's take a quick break here, and we'll come right back with uh, Hold Your Thought, Ozzy. We'll be right back on the Forward Bike Podcast. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. Ozzy Altman was about to say something cool here, so go ahead with it, Ozzy. Well, Derek, I agree with you completely, and I don't mean to offend anyone, because who am I to criticize anybody? But as we, you mentioned the word edgy, and that's exactly what we need. It needs to get back on the on the borderline of being just raw dog outlawish make it exciting make it 
edge of the seat kind of stuff. And I could hear Rick right now in my mind say, nudging me in the booth that goes, Ozzy, there's our t- next to a test contestants for fat chick jello wrestling next week <laughs> and i'm like yeah there you have it right there put a above ground pool and let them just go at it just smacking the fire out of one another oh my talk about entertainment that's what it's supposed to be dude yeah I, look, at, look at all the old world 100 and king's royals pictures where uh you know, the driver gets out and kisses the pretty girl who's wearing nothing but green bean strings and handing him a trophy. And, and now it's, you know, here's your check. Here's your announcer. Great job winning. Have a good day. It's very mundane. It's very, like I said, corporate. Get back to, I want to see the driver get out, slam a Bud Light, kiss the trophy girl, and give an electric uh, acceptance speech and then peel out. And uh, I just I feel like we don't have those personalities anymore. There's just still a lot of that going on across the country. I mean, there's a lot more racing than just super late models. I mean, we Rich Colbert here, my producer, was working on a little piece here whenever I came in was showing me this this guy, uh, cousin Luke Hornet. He was up at uh, pro at the Albany Saratoga Speedway this weekend in the pro stock race. Hell, he had a flat tire in his heat race, spun out, started at the rear of the field. Drove back through there and doored the guy for the lead with one to go, and then he, uh, and then the guy that he took out for the lead pulled up beside him and called him a fat sob there in Victory Lane. And he, <laughs> well, I censored it a little bit, but you can go watch the full the full video. But uh, just stuff like that still goes on, is my point here. And and you know that video is going to be going around on social media in the next day or two. I'll make sure to share it so everybody finds it. But yeah, and I mean anyway. that is. That is staunch and loyal big block modified country up there. But yes. Lyle and the gang, they have some rabid fans there at Albany, Saratoga. Yeah, no doubt. It's a place I've never been. I've never really been up there to any races in that in that area. But uh, a lot of fun. There's some. That's going to be a cool video you'll see here pretty soon. Well, part part of the reason I brought that up is uh, the, uh, the the whole point about getting back to you know your wild roots or or whatever is uh. So Eldora, they took their camping grounds and they paved it all. That that uh, they covered up some place that uh, has one of the best stories that I have for you guys today, and it, and it involves uh, racing. So back before they paved it all, uh, there was maybe a few paved lanes, but all the tents and campers would all kind of mix in the same spot. You'd have a lot of tent people down the road, but you'd have some tents out in front of the racetrack. And my dad was announcing the Kings Royal. I was thirteen. Uh, it rained that day and I go out, I go out there and, and everybody's drinking and, and acting a fool and having a good time. And people are slipping, sliding in the mud, uh, <laughs> right outside of Eldora. My, my dad is the announcer. Now, remember he was the track announcer at Eldora. It's the Kings Royal. It's a, it's a big, big show. My dad gets a call, Rick, you got to get out of the tower. You got to come down here right now. Oh God. What did Derek do? Comes down and I have a gash about six inches in the bottom of my foot from running in the, the mud, slip and sliding barefoot, cut myself all on the road at Eldora. And I, my dad had to go finish announcing the races while I got brought in an ambulance to get stitches. Uh, and, and my, you would never know it. My dad's up there putting on the same show. He's always putting on. Meanwhile, he's in the back of his mind, cussing me out for, uh, 
for fooling around and, and acting like an idiot and, and having to get stitches while he's doing this big, massive race. I spent the rest of the weekend on crutches trying to crutch around Eldora Speedway with six inches of stitches in the bottom of my foot just from uh, from mud wrestling and slip and sliding outside of Eldora. You can't do stuff like that anymore. It's all cement. It's all campers. Um, well, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for us to open up the inaugural Rick Eshelman Fat Chick Jello Wrestling <laughs> Championship. <laughs> they uh, they still got a lot of grass fields up there at Eldora. I mean, I don't know when the last time you've been there, but they, uh, it might be paved where you're talking about or something. Up. But there's a lot of there's a lot of that that still goes on up there. And from hearing you say that, I don't want any part of it. I'm not going to be participating in none of that mudslide and stuff. Well, we could have we could have had the mud wrestling championships right there that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But uh, but no, I just uh, I would love to see it get back to being. More rowdy. I, there is a lot of more, fun. There is a lot of fun to be had at some of these races. And I, and I had Mike Wallace on here last week, and he said it's not all about the race. You know, people just – your outsiders may not understand that, but it's an event that you go to for two or three days and camp out, and you're there with all your buddies and everything, and it's it's always a good time at, at some of those bigger races. And that's, that's what it's all about to me. It's not – the racing is just a bonus, man. That's where all my friends are. Right. Man. That's right. I've met a ton of very, very, very cool people through the sport of dirt racing um, at, a, at every track you can think of. And, uh, you know, I've met a lot of people that they couldn't have told you one car on that track. They were there for the beer and the cookout and uh, and whatever was going on at the racetrack was background noise to them. Um, it really does bring out a party and it's an awesome experience for people. And I just I want more people to be able to experience it. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, it's, it's there to be had. Now, at Lonerville, you know, at the Firecracker, Rick always had to put that goofy Uncle Sam outfit on. Oh, yeah. Well, we brought him down to a special part of the campground that we had set up, and we had some adult entertainment going on. So that was part of the sideshow and the carnival atmosphere that we had going on there. Now... The powers that be didn't know everything was going on until we already had it going because we, we took the attitude, it's always easier to ask for an apology than it is to ask for permission, so we just let it rip. <laughs> I think we my dad might have that tattooed on him somewhere. And we went to Pittsburgh and recruited some uh, dancing girls and had them out there in campers and had the area roped off. And you had to have one of our armbands to get into that area. So that was additional entertainment, but we always find a way to have some fun. Yeah, I can only imagine. No doubt. But Derek, once again, condolences. I miss your dad. I wish I was announcing with him right now. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of love from... uh, from the entire racing community. So, you know, while I'm on this platform, I would like to thank literally every single person. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not quite been a year. It'll be a year in October, but, uh, the out, the outreach was, was absolutely insane. So many people, uh, reached out, said kind words, made tribute videos, put that on their race car, made stickers, made shirts, uh, did racing tours, did all types of things. And, and, you know, I had a lot of a lot of my friends go. Who the hell was your dad? <laughs> uh, who are all these people? Why are 
why is why are these people tweeting about him? Why is Tony Stewart tweeting about him? Why is Kenny Wallace making videos about him? Like they're looking at me like they just found out my dad was a mob boss or something. And uh, and it was just amazing. So I genuinely want to thank the entire racing community for all the love and support. And and it's been continued, and people still talk about him, and I love that. I'm very lucky in the sense that uh, if I ever want to hear his voice, I can just get on YouTube. Um, well, there you go. If I ever want to see him, I can just get on YouTube. And we've had tracks reach out and, and ask us to do memorials and everything. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to, I want to thank everybody again. And I want to let everybody know, Hey, you know what? Do what my dad did. Follow your dreams. I watched him grind it out from, uh, local tracks every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, sometimes Sunday while maintaining a job, while being a dad, while being at baseball practice and football games. And he didn't stop until he got to where he wanted to be. And, and there was a lot of a lot of eating McDonald's and sleeping in the car and a lot of uh, a lot of sleepless nights driving through the night, some five hour energies and, and things of that nature. And but he got to where he wanted to be and, and he didn't give up. And, uh, you know, he reached he reached his highest peak before he passed. He, he made the Hall of Fame. He got a lifetime achievement award from the auto racing fan club here in Mich- in Michigan. Um and this came from from not taking no for an answer. From, it was all well deserved. I watched him get rejected. I watched him get fired. I watched him get released. And I heard many people tell him, this is a dream. This is a hobby. This is never going to pay your bills. You're wasting your time. And I just want to tell everybody out there, that's not the case. Do what you want. Do what makes you happy. Lord knows my dad did. There is no real answer for why he took his life. And personally, I, I don't want an answer for that, but I know why he lived his life. And it was for this sport, like this sport and my dad were it. So everybody listening, all you fans, you were everything and you still are. And you never realized the outreach you have and you never realized the impact you guys make. And so I would just say, keep growing the sport. And if you're in the sport, if you're a young announcer, if you're a young flag person, if you're a young personality, if you're a young driver, Get out there and grind it out and do what you have to do because it'll be worth it when you do make it. And I got to watch my dad do that. And it was an amazing experience. Well, on the microphone, he was an ultimate professional, but he was never too busy to make people smile and laugh. And I had had the curiosity and wonder of why it happened, but maybe that's not mine to know. I've asked God to bless his soul. He was a great friend and a wonderful co-worker, and I was blessed to be able to work with him. So let's just let him rest in peace and remember him for the good things that he did and brought. Yeah, no doubt. Rick was a, was a, was a celebrity, maybe more than he knew, because he, there was an outpouring of love and support you know, that, around that time. And, uh, I mean, I was uh, – yeah, I mean, it, it – it, it was just unreal, you know. It was a big-time loss for the sport, and we definitely miss him. And, and his announcing, like you said, will live on forever on all those old videos and whatnot. Hours and hours and hours of of, uh, of his work will be uh, out there to be enjoyed for generations to come if they so choose to, to look it up because, uh, I mean, there's uh, – between between uh, him and Ozzy, there's not 
in my opinion, there's not been a better announcer uh, between those two, you know, that that's done this as long as they have and as successful and has been as successful up as they have. So it's a, it's an honor that, that Rick got in that hall of fame last year at Florence and Ozzy, you're going in it too this year. And, uh, uh, and I know it'll be emotional. It'll be emotional for me to join him in that group. And Derek, you make me think of my son Zeke because he's gone down that same road as you did with your dad with me. And if it wasn't for my son Zeke, and I'm going to be proud to stand there with him when I get the honor of being inducted and join your dad and many other great folks in the sport. So Derek, love to you, brother. Thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I wanted to leave with one last thing. Also, it's, it's a touchy subject, but, uh, I'm a combat veteran. Uh, I went to Iraq for 13 months. Uh, I played professional arena football. I've played football for 26 years. Uh, I've dealt with my fair share of, uh, emotional damage and head trauma on my end. And, I just want to say on, on the topic of suicide, if, you, if you're ever feeling down, talk to somebody. And you know what? Be proactive if, if you're not sick. And even if you don't think that someone you know is sick, don't be afraid to tell your friends you love them. Don't be afraid to tell your parents you love them. Don't be afraid to give that extra hug because, you know, that that's really what, what my dad left me with was our last phone call. We said, I love you. And we ended on a positive note, and I have that for the rest of my life. And I know a lot of my friends are too manly to tell their dad they love them, their brother they love them, their best friend they love them. Oh, no. Say it. Say it. And and if you are ever feeling upset, talk to somebody because you really don't know how many people you touch. And there's always going to be somebody that'll try to help you. So, you know, don't. Ain't that the truth? Don't let suicide win. Just don't. Well, our love stays with you, brother, and our prayers, and good luck in whatever you're doing. Hopefully. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you at Florence, hopefully. Yeah, that's what I was just yes, getting ready sir. to say. Hopefully we're all three there together, and we uh, we get to enjoy that moment because that's going to be a big uh, that's gonna be a big lifetime accomplishment for you, Ozzy. So looking forward to that day coming up in August. Well, I appreciate everybody just helped make it happen. It's a dream come true for me. Well, good deal. Yeah, Ozzy, we, uh, you know, we've had you on here before and had you on here again, and I'm pretty sure we'll have you on here again for sure. I think this is, uh, I think the fans love to hear it. I know this, uh, we kind of just had a big roundtable conversation here, but maybe we should have uh, have you back sometime, and maybe you too as well, Derek, if you ever got anything to chime in on. You're more than welcome anytime here on the podcast. So uh, this is uh, this has been a good one, I think. I think people will enjoy hearing this, and uh I said, we'll do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Anytime. You know how to reach me, brother. In the words of another one of our great race race announcing buddies, keep racing and don't spin out, as Ashley Ness would say, from the great state of West Virginia. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, Pennsboro historian he is. Great guy. What a brother. Yes, sir. Well, Derek and Ozzy, uh, thank you guys for being on here tonight. I really appreciate it. I think this is going to be a good one, like I just said, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. This has been the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, for Ozzy Altman and Derek Eshelman. We'll see you next week.